This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where certain things are fixed, the essentials of faith, and the best beer is served on tap, while everything else is just a matter of perspective. Oh, what's going on, beer lovers? What up? So, it's time! I just wanted to get my Okay, inner, Bruce Buffer. I just wanted to get my inner Bruce Buffer out. Oh, okay. Man, I miss watching UFC though. Like, I've been in a fight fan it's... mood. I've been in a fight fan mood. I haven't watched a fight in a while. Yeah. And, uh, I'm like, yeah, I've been in a fight fan mood. I miss. So we've been fans of MMA since before it was cool, though. Yeah, we were fans of it since before it was cool. Our dad was a semi pro kickboxer. Mm-hmm. And uh, Clayton did uh, martial arts most of his life. Yep. I did jiu-jitsu and MMA for several years. Like you actually, it, you actually fought at an amateur level. I did, and it's just in our. It's in our blood, man. It's in our blood, and our dad <sighs> stopped buying the fights because it was a it was a form of self care. Yeah, well, it became an addiction. For it him. did. He was like constantly researching fight camps and fighters, and this like the it it consumed him. Yeah. And so he had to quit. And Clayton and I were like, "Well, we're not spending fifty bucks every weekend to watch these fights." <laughs> like, well, and and that was the deal, though. We had to watch every fight. Well, and it was before it was before the the deal with ESPN, mm-hmm. where they've got some of the fight nights and stuff. Yep. Everything was pay per view. Yeah, everything was pay per view. And so it was minus like every, the Ultimate Fighter. The Ultimate Fighter wasn't pay per view, but that well, that, but the final one was the final. The final one was when they would do the, the the coaches fight. Everything throughout the house was uh, uh, was on, on Spike. Yeah, it was on Spike. But everything else was pay per view, and so I mean, you're t- at least twice a month you're renting a fight, yeah, and having a ton of people over and cooking food and yeah. Well, and we did. We hosted fight nights. Oh we, yeah, we might we might have thirty people in the house. Yeah, just to watch you know a handful of fights, right. Um, yeah, and some of them that lasted under thirty seconds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember there was one night. These things used to never end until like eleven thirty midnight. Yeah, but, and like in high school, I did not stay up late. Yeah, I was like ten thirty dead. Yeah, no matter where I was, dead. But if it was fight night, I could stay up. Mm-hmm. But I remember there was a fight night. I don't remember which one it was. But so many of them ended so quick that all the fights were done by like 9.45. Yeah, it was crazy. I do remember that too. Um, it was wild. So, yeah, I, I've been in a fight night kind of mood. And maybe, so maybe I wanted to bring sh- out my inner Bruce Buffer. Maybe we should start watching the fights again together. Yeah, but I got to charge cover charge because I can't afford I'm just talking about you and me, dog. Oh, like, I'm like, I can't. I need cover charge. I can't afford the pay-per-view bill. Well, I mean, if we do invite people, absolutely cover charge. Yeah. Because if they break stuff, yeah, right, like it's all. Let's talk about these beers. Let's talk about beer instead of fights. What you got? Another real ale. Okay. Uh, You've been on a real ale kick. Dude, I love what they're doing. Their triple, I I had one off air, mm-hmm. like after, because we after bought we it recorded in a six pack. Yeah. It's it too sweet, you. man. Well, that and that's the that's the wheat, right? Um, I always feel that way. It's too sweet, and that's yeah. how I felt. That's how I felt about the back pew, the the Bach. It was too sweet. It was too sweet. Mm. Um, 
And that's why I told Clayton, we've, we've done, we've recorded content two nights in a row back to back. So yeah. last week we recorded at this time last night and then tonight we're recording again. I told him, I was like, dude, give me IPAs. Like <laughs> I've had a few weeks of runs without IPAs. Yeah. Like I need me an IPA. He's been good. So I got him, I got him an IPA last night and I got him an IPA today, but I've got the eight track Amber from Real Ale. Mm. Um, I like Ambers and I like what Real Ale's doing. Okay. Um, and so I was like, why not? And I like really malty beers. Yeah. Right. You, you do like I love really malt like a heavy good beers. Good malt heavy beer. Um, and that is supposed to be this, right? Um, interesting. I can't find. Oh, it's six point five ABV, so it's not too bad. Not too bad. I've got another beer, another brew. From Ingenious Brewing. Oh, I love this. The brewer in me loves... Uh, there's like a, a slogan here. It says, beer is, create, beer is creativity, is science, is quality. <laughs> like, yes, yes. The brewer in me loves to hear that. That's pretty funny. So, it's from Ingenious, and it's called The Quaker's Dream. Yep. And... There's a picture of a Quaker. The inner theology nerd in me is going crazy. So it looks like the Quaker um, Oats guy, right? It does look like a Quaker Oats guy. But actually, this is true to form how this happened. Oh, yeah, it is. You, about you're correct. It the is. IPA was invented because they needed to find a way to make beer more preserved. In order to make it across the pond. And then ship it back. And so they used it. They, they used shipped hops. it along the India trading route. Mm -hmm. Hence, India Pale Ale. And they used hops as the preservative. So, the Quakers are the ones bringing it over. So, it is interesting. It's a hazy IPA. And it is 6.5%. Uh, brewed and canned in Humble, Texas, at Ingenious. So, looking forward to it. that's Texas just brews. that's north of us. So, cheers. cheers. Oh, jeez. Oh gosh. Okay, real ale. Y'all over tamped that man. Solid amber. They are using an interesting uh, hop variation in this. What is it? I don't know. That's why I say it's interesting. It is um, is much more floral than I expected it to be. So this is a little metallic. Um. It's also pretty malt forward for a hazy, but interesting. It's a very good beer. It's just not what I expected to come out of that can. So is it is that called the eight track? Yeah. With that super Woodstock looking album cover yeah. <laughs> for a front label. That's cool. Good job, Real L. Yeah, good job on the show branding. that to the camera. Good job on the branding. <laughs> um my opinion. Had better ambers. Yeah. 
Uh, sorry, Real Ale. Like, I'm not, it's just this. You know I love what you guys are doing. This is the first thing I've had that it's just not yeah. right up my alley. Maybe it's just this one beer, right? Um, because, and this is the thing with craft, right? Sometimes you get lemons. Yep. <clears throat> it's not always the same. It's not always the same. And maybe this one came from the bottom of, I don't know if y'all were carbonating this in, in, yeah. in a keg or if you were doing this some somewhere else or if, I don't know. I think it was at the bottom of your boiler or something. Um, it's it's pretty metallic. It tastes like pennies. Um, yeah. Uh, like right there on the back end. I get I get the amber. But, I get the malt. But, but right there on the back end, it's a little bit. Doesn't doesn't real ale brew the blood and honey? No, that's revolver. that's revolver. That's revolver that's brewing. Right. Yeah, that's right. I was like, oh my god, because like if you've got that, all your other labels can be crap. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. The blood and honey is delicious. Yeah, and so I actually had one the other day. I'm like, but sorry, real ale, that's not you. Yeah. Um, Real Ale's got good stuff, though. They have really good... Everything that I've had thus far from Real Ale... And I've had a lot. Real Ale has several really good IPAs. They do. Um, or very hoppy expressions. Well, um, yeah, but what, what are you looking for in an IPA if not that? <laughs> like, no, I'm just saying very hoppy expressions of beer. It doesn't have to be an IPA. Oh, got you. Yeah. Right. Got you. Um, I thought you were saying like... The overhopped IPAs, mm-hmm. and I'm like, no, that's whatever. That, that's no. what I'm looking for, bro. <laughs> no, 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 that's not what I'm trying to say. I would like to try another bottle of this, yeah, right, to see if um, that metallic flavor goes. Or away. maybe I'd like to try it on tap. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's very metallic on the back end. Mm, I'm not the biggest fan. Unfortunate. It it would shock me if that flavor, at the the volume that they brew, yeah. If it wasn't like just their normal brew, yeah, it would shock me if there was something that happened to that singular bottle, or maybe it's the last like four or Case five or, or like yeah, whatever, like right? That. Like, yeah, <clears throat> we'll see. We'll give it another shot. Yeah, I'll, I'll, all right. I'll go back to HEB tomorrow and buy another one, and I will give you guys an update next week. Let's talk about complementarians. So, okay, disclaimer. Disclaimer, up front. Me and Cullen are going to do our best to hold our bias here. You guys know our stance on this already. We are not complimentarians. We are not complimentarians, and we're going to do our best to hold our bias because we don't, we, as we've stated in earlier episodes, we definitely don't agree, and we hold very strong opinions about this stance. Yeah. But the people who hold this stance we love and cherish and respect one of my best friends in the world is a complimentarian and i just have to look beyond him for that well, flaw <laughs> like, we, we also have lots of family that are we do we have a ton of family that uh do we yeah we'll talk off here but yeah <clears throat> we'll talk off here yeah we're gonna have because i'm sitting here going i don't think I don't think so, but we'll talk off there. Uh, it's not on the side of the family that you think. Yeah, we'll talk off there. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that. Yeah, we'll talk off there. But 
Yes, we know a lot of people that are complementarians. And here's what I would say. Primary, secondary, and tertiary issues. Absolutely. The things in the creeds are primary issues. Those are things worth, like, really fighting over. Those are hills to die on. Yes. Secondary issues... I think are worth fighting for. They're not worth fighting over. Yes. Tertiary issues. Who cares? Are pub conversations. Yeah. Like, Who cares? Nobody cares. So where would you put complementarianism and egalitarianism on the spectrum? So you're asking a social worker um, or a social work student, right? Um, and... So social justice is the lens in which I read the Bible. Yeah, but I'm not asking a social work student. I'm asking our creative arts director at Wallace Church. I, I know you can't separate can, them. I can't separate the two. No, <laughs> like, I know, but... Um, theological me, like the one that understands general theology, mm-hmm. says that it's a secondary issue. Okay. Social work student me says it's a primary issue. Okay. So it's not a primary issue. For you. No, no, no. If, as I laid out in the beginning, if primary issues are the creeds, it's not a primary issue. This is not an issue talked about in the creeds. Yes, you are correct. So in that regard, regard, it's a primary issue. I would put it as point number one, secondary issue, closest to primary issue that it can possibly get. I will get. I, I'll. I'll get on board there. That's. Uh, I, I might put like a little bit closer. Like, that's where just, it is for me. Because what do you always say? You're allowed to have any opinion you want until it steps on somebody's rights. Yep. Like yes, that. And so for me, you've said off air and potentially on air. That this is a justice issue. Oh, yeah, I've said that on here. I agree with you 100% that this conversation around women is a justice issue. Yeah. So because of that, I am very passionate about this. I am going to do my best to curve that passion and try to give you an unbiased argument for this position. It's going to be next to impossible, but I'm going to give it a shot. It's doable. We've done it before. Like, we've curved our yeah, passion on I don't, certain things. But I'm not as passionate about those conversations as, as I am about this one. I know. Me Any too. other conversation, I could do it. Yeah. It's just this one. This one's hard. Are, well, well, this and one. the Bible. When we talked about the Bible, we got pretty. Well, yeah. So, But that one, because for me, it's a primary issue because people have made inerrancy a primary issue. And it's oh, not. Fair enough. Fair enough. So it's worth fighting over, right? That's why I say secondary issues are worth fighting for, not worth fighting over. I'm going to do my best. Like, I, I'm really going to try to do my best. Um, but I'm, I'm giving you the disclaimer, I'm going to struggle. Yeah, So same here. Here's it goes. First and foremost, what is a complementarian? 
A complementarian is someone who thinks that women complement men. I'm, I'm, <laughs> that is that is what it is. I'm it is women and men are not equal. Even they would say a complementarian would say that men and women are equal. They would say that, but in formation, not in function. Yeah. And women complement men. So women are the weaker vessel. They serve the men. They submit to the men. Men are the head of the household. That entire narrative, it's very much so more patriarchal in expression yes. than an egalitarian position would be. Theologically, I really think that as we talked about last week with egalitarians looking at Genesis 1, I really feel that complementarians focus on Genesis 2. Yeah. And the whole thing here is because, and this is why I say, this is another reason why I say Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 are telling two different stories. We get two different narratives, though, like honestly. They are. In Genesis 1, we're told that God tells them be fruitful and multiply. We're also told that they're both created in his image. Yeah, but in chapter 2, they're never told to be fruitful and multiply. Also true. They're never, never once are we told that God tells them that. No. They are two different narratives. And I think egalitarians kind of lean more towards the Genesis 1 narrative. Complementarians tend to lean more towards the Genesis 2 narrative. Right. Really hardcore complementarians... Which still exist, but they are fewer and far between. Um, the the really extremist complementarians. Well, um, I, at least in my experience, I haven't met a, a very extremist complementarian in a long time. Um. Well, they're out there. They are out there, but they're. I think they're. I mean, John Piper between. is one. John MacArthur is one. And yep. all those, all the people that follow those guys are hardcore about it. Well, that's also true. Like within that vein. That's also true. Really hardcore about it. So. And I do, I will also say, and I don't think I'm shocking anybody's world here, but complementarians tend to be significantly farther on the conservative side of the spectrum. Yeah. They tend to be much more... You have to say that. Yeah. Like, I think like it's it, obvious. It, it's obvious, but... Yeah. And so here's what happens. In Genesis 2, God makes Adam, the man, and he puts him in the garden. And he tells him... You can eat any tree you want. You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. Once again, dropping this nugget in, never going to talk about it again. God told them they could only, like, they could eat any tree, didn't say they could eat meat. Like, just never going to talk about that again. <laughs> Suck on that for a little bit. He says we're not going to talk about that again. <laughs> I really want to talk about that more. 
I feel like maybe not on this podcast. Maybe that's something we bring up on Let's Talk, but like, yes. Verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper. helper. Yeah. As his partner. That word helper is an extremely unique word. In Hebrew? Uh-huh. Okay. It means helper. Yeah. It means supporter. It does not mean companion. There's a reason that even a pretty moderate translation says helper. So can I ask a question here? Yeah. This is not me bringing out my bias. This is a genuine question. So the Holy Spirit has not been introduced into the world yet, correct? Uh, well. Um, he's mentioned, like, or it has been mentioned in Genesis 1. Yeah, so the Spirit is the one that's holding back the creation narrative. Right. But it has not been fully distributed about the earth yet. Well, it I mean, it depends. Which narrative are you reading? Fair enough. Because in Genesis 1, by the time humanity is made, God has breathed. Right. That Fair. is that, the impartation the of the Spirit. So, But in the Genesis 2 narrative, it's very different. Like, we don't get that. If all we had was Genesis 2... Our pneumatology would suck. It would, yeah, fair enough. So, okay, neither here nor there. Depends on which narrative you read. Yes. Doesn't Jesus call the Spirit a helper? In Greek, right, but like also same meaning. Yes, if I'm remembering correctly. I will send the, my helper for the you. The paraclete, yes. That's the Greek word for it. Yeah, helper is not a bad translation there. I'm fine with that. Does that mean that... Not my bias. Mm -hmm. Genuine question. Would that mean that the helper, the Holy Spirit, is less than Jesus? Or are they one and the same? Well, so you're asking a very different question there. You're asking it, if there's a hierarchy in the Trinity. Yeah. yeah. But John, I feel like it's a similar question because we've talked about um, the the resemblance of the Trinity in the family as well. Well, I think you and I have talked about that off air. Oh, we have think, talked about that think, off air. I don't think we've talked about it here. Yeah. But the Gospel of John is probably the most Trinitarian in its nature. That's true. In the words of Jesus in the Gospel of John, the Trinity does not seem to be equality. Because Jesus says, I will send you my spirit. Yeah. As in like this, like this. But in John 5, Jesus is very clear that he does nothing that the Father does not will. So God the Father here... Jesus here, helper here. Yeah, Spirit. we we can't say that because 
they are three and one and right. equal and loving and unity and all, all these things. So you can't say that there's a hierarchy there if you want to like remain within orthodoxy. So what a lot of people say is that the visualized hierarchy is about cause and sourceality. So God the Father is the source of almightiness. And then Jesus is the embodiment of it. And the Spirit is the dispensator of it throughout the world. So it's about cause rather than authority or power or something like that. So it's not really a hierarchy. It's just a, a chain of flow. That is how a lot of people would talk about it. I don't know 100%. It's a very tricky thing because, I'll be honest, the Gospel of John for me, and this is where I think our friend Andrew Baird is, like, his critique is good, and we didn't do a good job. Like, Scripture is still Scripture and needs to be read as Scripture. And so when it's talking about spiritual things, like, we can't just haphazardly dismiss them. Right. The Gospel of John, to me, is clearly saying something different about the Trinity Mm. than the other places in Scripture. I'm not throwing out the gospel of John. I need to figure out how to make that work with everything else. And so I'm just not ready to fully comment. Okay. Um, I, I apologize for no, 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 blindsiding you with that. No, yeah, you're good. My, my brain just connected all these dots there yeah. and I wanted to make sure that. I no, was you're good. A- I don't think that's a bad place for your brain to go. I'm just ready. Not ready to walk that part of my theology out yet. Okay. Uh, in a, so I'm, ask, like I'm asking a, a question that we need to have off air then. Yeah, if 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 we were off air with a beer, yeah, I would totally walk this out with you, but okay. not on air in a public venue like this. Fair not yet. But you see the connection there, there is, listener. There's a connection that there and between this conversation. Yes. It, it's it's you, not it's not a out of left field. It's a good connection. So then the Lord God said, it's not good that man, that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and da, 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 da. He does a lot more creation stuff. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. Same flow of verbiage. Yeah. That helper language there is really important to a complementarian argument. Yep. That word that's a very different type of relationship than an e- a a genuine relationship of equality. Even though the word says partner there, that word helper it takes on the main function in the sentence and it is a very, di- or in the clause, yeah. and it's a very different type of relationship. The complementarian argument really comes down to that word help. Well, it is, it is dependent on it. Um, well, it's dependent upon the narrative using that. But my question to you. To me or to the listener both and we don't know we'll never know it's not a question we can answer okay what would have happened had god made eve first in genesis 2 no idea we'll never know would eve have needed a helper hmm 
yes. Yeah. Eve would have needed a helper. Absolutely. I mean, and then the question then becomes, what would Paul's narrative be? Would Jesus be the second Eve? Right? Like, there's so much that changes there. It is. And so, for me, I don't think the word, well, this is about complementarianism, not, not egalitarianism. Yeah, not your definition, Cullen. So, I'm going to skip past that. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this, is at, la- this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman. In Hebrew, it's just a play off of the Hebrew word. Isha. Yeah, Ish and Isha. For out of man, this one was taken. Therefore, a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So, I'm sorry, can I make a joke real quick? If you want to. To lighten the mood? Yeah. What if it was okay that we were all just still, like, able to hang about, like, as we walked down the street? Like, like just walk around naked? Yeah. Like, if we just lived in a nudist colony or something? Like, how much more comfortable would that be? <laughs> not having things pressing in places? Like, I don't know. I'm not, like, everybody says that, and I'm like... You... It's like you don't ever it's not a big deal to me for you. You don't ever like um, sacrifice for the fit. Well, yeah, but not for extended periods of time that I'm I'm not like a woman that goes to an eight hour long wedding in high heels. Oh, no, a man can never understand that kind of pain. Right, but and that's like, what I'm saying. Like, uh, all these dudes are like, oh, man, you know, I hate this, whatever. But and I'm you don't like, wear accessories that are, like, uncomfortable or, like, jackets when it's too hot just because it looks better with the shirt that you're wearing? Jackets when it's hot? No. Okay. See, I will do that. Yeah, I know. I don't do that. I will sacrifice for the fit. Uh-uh. And I will make big sacrifices for the fit. Well, I will. So, I will sacrifice, like, my shoes. Mm. Like, especially like if you got like white leather sneakers, oh, yeah. like walking in a certain way, trying yeah. not to crease trying not them. To crease them. Yeah. yeah. And then like getting foot pains and stuff. I will do stuff like that, but I sweat so bad as it is. Yeah. I'm not going to put a jacket on. Yeah. I sweat so bad. I'm cool. As long as it's a darker jacket and you can't see my pit stains. Yeah, I know. I sweat so bad I ain't wearing a jacket if I have to. I I will sacrifice for the fit. Therefore, if it was still cool that we all walk around buck naked. Yeah. I might be a much more comfortable person. (laughs) Isn't it interesting how the narrative sets that up, though? Mm -hmm. Why, Why do we not do that? Because now we have the idea of shame from sin. That's exactly. The narrative... Is setting it up for you that that's ha- that's what's happening there. Yeah, that's why I'm also comfortable saying that Genesis two is telling a different story. Right, because the naked and the shame thing only comes in two and three. Naked and shame instead of naked and afraid. That's right. That that survival show was called Naked and Afraid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or is called. I don't know if it's still running. 
I don't actually know. So for all the complimentarians out there, I hope I've done your position justice. Yeah. The argument really does hinge, and this is like Genesis 2 has been the champion verse for the Southern Baptist Convention in the complimentarian argument. It is the thing that they always turn to. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I want to reiterate once again, if you are a complementarian, we don't hate you. Mm-mm. We don't hate your position. We disagree, but once again, this is not a sword that we want to fall on. It is, it is an issue worth fighting for, but not fighting over. Yeah. And we that's how I feel. If you came up, and you were like, oh, you're such a terrible person. You don't know how to read the Bible. This, whatever. We would have the conversation. No, I wouldn't. No? No, because I'm, if, if you walked up to me telling me that I was a terrible person because of my position, no, I'm not going to have the conversation because it's oh. not worth fighting over. Well, see, I, w- I would have the conversation, but once it turned heated, I would stop. No, right? see, um, it, if you came to me and wanted to have a genuine conversation, yes. I would have that. If you got heated, it's not a conversation I'm having with you because it's Absolutely. not worth fighting over. That I would agree with because, and so, okay, yes, I see what you mean now in the difference there. I 100% agree. Yeah. Um, 100% agree. I First and foremost in all things, love. Absolutely. Like, I'm not going to fight over this with you. It is, if it is. you, like I've said time and time again through this series, some of my best friends are complementarians. Absolutely. They're absolutely Christians. I'm absolutely going to see heaven united back to earth with them in it. Yeah. Uh, no doubt in my mind. I, I, they are I doing, want some of them to be there. Like, they're doing great things like, for the kingdom. I want them all to be there with us in celebrating the glory of the Lord. But, yeah, I'm not. Like, I'm just not fighting over it. No. I, I do think that... There's a time to walk away and say we agree to disagree. Well, there is. But at the same point, they do have an argument. Oh, absolutely. There are plenty of places they could point to. Now, and I did spend the first three episodes working through the New Testament texts. Yep. I spent the last, like, five weeks or something... <clears throat> in the support lady series and the stories and on a closer look looking at old testament Mm -hmm. and new testament alike practitioners of the faith yep and so i think you're getting that side of it but by and large like you do you i mean if you like you do have text that you can fall on your argument i call arguments stupid like when they don't have a supporting leg yeah you've got a supporting leg if you want to find it that way. Yeah. Like it's there. You can point to Genesis 2. You can go to these other texts. There, there are things. I think there are other ways, better ways to explain those away. But if you are a complementarian, you are absolutely entitled to your view. And I do not think it makes you a bad person. I don't think it makes you a bad person. Um, I will tell you that I disagree. And at this point, you you know that. Um, and yeah, but I disagree with all kinds of stuff. Yeah, that too. And like honestly, though, but that too. I I think about it all the time, and I'm like, you know, if everybody knew all the things that I disagreed with, 
just in like a general level. Like just if if we all walked around with like pretend we're futuristic and everybody gets Google glasses, right? And you look at somebody Google glasses and you get Google Glass, bro. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. I'm old. And you look at somebody and the thing your glass downloads is the thing that the, is everything is everything that they, that they disagree with. Yeah. People would hate me. I'm just convinced. Like, well, there's not a single person that if they knew everything I disagreed with, that could love me. Like, well, but, but see, that's the problem in and of itself. Is that it would is. be true for everyone? No matter, no matter who you are, where you're at, that's true for everyone. Yep. Um, and we are just so. Excuse my language. I I, I want to say this the way that I want to say it because it, it implies like for real emotion here. We are so damn afraid of offending everyone. That we can't be ourselves. That we can't be ourselves and we can't express our opinions. Yep. Whatever happened to freedom of speech and true de democratic expression? Yeah, what happened was people abused it. Exactly. And we all got afraid of the abuse. Yeah. And, and so we don't do it anymore. And you know and what? That, that happened on both sides of the political spectrum. Oh, of course it did. It always does. Well, and when you're the entire history of your political campaign strategy has been mudslinging, yep. why would you ever reveal anything? Mm -hmm. I think that we are just so afraid of offending everyone that at this point, we we're afraid of expressing our opinions. Yes. And, and and so for this conversation, I'm not afraid of expressing my opinion. Uh, me either. Uh, if you are a complementarian, I love you. Absolutely. I vehemently disagree with you. 100%. But I'm not going to fight over it with you. I'm. It's For me, it is a justice issue, and I will continue to fight for it, and I absolutely. will I will pursue equity for women. But... In all things, love. I'm never going to sacrifice love or the person in front of me for any doctrine that I might have. Or the person of Jesus. Yeah. Right? Like, let's look at this for a second. Yes, it's different because Jesus is Jesus. But Jesus vehemently disagreed with the Pharisees time and time again. But did he, he did. ever hate them? Stop loving them? No. There was one time so. he said some very harsh things. Um, Jesus says some things. Um, but he never stopped loving them. Yeah. And that's. At least in my theology, I can't believe that he stopped loving them. I can't believe that either. I like my theology doesn't allow me to go there. Now, Jesus does say some. Very harsh, very real, honest things, but those were primary issues that he was getting angry over, like exclusion from the temple. The thing with Herod, man. Oh, calling him a female fox? Yeah. So go look it up. When Jesus gets word of Luke, I mean, uh, it's in Luke. When Jesus gets word of John the Baptist's death... Every manuscript we have yeah. 
Has Jesus calling Herod a female fox? Um, the 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 modern in interpretation Greek. of that in a a bitch, a female dog. Yeah, uh, it's what it is. A um, female dog. In the, uh, it's not biological, but in, no, no, in, no. The, in the actual definition it, of in the how word, how that is translated yeah. to modern times, and. I don't know. Like Jesus says some crap. He does. And I'm like, it, and there's like, there's very little textual variance. So it's not even like you can dismiss it away with variance. No, no, no. But like what, what he's fighting over are primary issues. Lots of the time. They are. They are. This is not a primary issue. This is absolutely a secondary issue. It is at the top of the list. This one that we are discussing here on this podcast is, I would agree with Kellen that in terms of theology, in terms of me being on staff here at Wellhouse as the creative arts director, this is a secondary issue. For me, as an individual, separated from Wellhouse, it's a primary issue. Um, I will stand and fight this um, until I'm blue in the face. Um, But if you come to me in a Wellhouse capacity... uh, you're entitled to your opinion. Yeah, I think for me, Wellhouse's vision is to have a place where people can be real, be relational, and be restored through that progression. My suspicion is because of how forefront women in ministry is to me and you and our board, nobody's going to end up here that doesn't agree with us on this issue. Absolutely. And so if you come in a wellhouse capacity, odds are you're coming to give affirmation or to ask questions. How can I embrace my calling as a woman Mm, here? And that's what I want. I want you to be able to come to me and say, hey, I'm a woman who's been a Christian my whole life. I feel like I've been oppressed. I feel like I want to be in ministry. I need help figuring this stuff out. Yeah. Wellhouse is the place for you. We will help you do that. We will. Oh. Oh, we will help you do um, whatever it is that you want to do. Um, we will put you in contact with mentors. We will put you with female mentors, right? Because we have those contacts. We know the people that we can set you up with. Yeah, that's a good point, And we haven't talked about it. Women, if you're out there listening and you feel like you're all alone because you're a woman who wants to be in ministry, you're not. You just haven't found the right circle to walk in yet. Yes. There are women out there, ample women. I know women that I would put up next to any man that's in a pulpit on Sunday I guarantee you, and I got no shame saying it, Beth Moore would make make a better pastor than 99% of male pastors in America. Yes, that. (laughs) Beth Moore would make a better pastor than 99% of them if she was called to that. Barbara Brown Taylor is... 99% better than 100% of male pastors. Yes. (laughs) 
You are not alone if you are a woman looking to be in ministry. You just haven't found the right circle to walk in. And we can direct you to that circle.